can't drag me into this. You, you can't. All I want to do is drag the truth out of you. But I've told you the whole truth. Yes, I know that's what you tell me. Why don't you just listen for a minute? Listen? You listen. Tonight, I'm going to do the impossible. Nothing is impossible. Uh, think of something. I will. Immediately. Why not? Here's hoping you get something out of it. Truth. And so. Truth and Soul Incorporated, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. Uh, well, uh, today it is a special edition of the Truth and Soul Incorporated podcast. Uh, not because of our guest, who is, uh, as you will soon learn, is anything but special, uh, but because for the first time we are recording one um at 5 30 6 o'clock in the evening with the addition of a small beer or a glass of red wine all the others have been done at nine o'clock with uh, caffeine so this could oh. uh, this is a kind of experiment we'll see how it goes from there mm. uh, at this point i'll introduce you to my guest uh, we have a lot in common because we are both originally from the uk we came both came down to New Zealand around 20, 20 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, and we both being uh, creative directors of DDB New Zealand. Sure. E- executive creative directors. Sure. We both worked at Rainey, Kelly, Campbell, Rolf. Oh, I forgot in about London. that. Yeah. yeah I, spent, I spent some time there. Uh, and also, little known fact, possibly to the great unwashed out there, is that we worked together at Colenso in about 1998, I think. In the in the in the good old days. The, the good old days. Yeah. Uh, for three weeks, maybe three, two. Three glorious weeks. Three glorious three glorious weeks. <laughs> that that was the only time in the last <laughs> in the last uh, twenty years, and we um, produced a campaign for Skier Magazine, working for the scampster himself, Michael O'Sullivan. Mm. Uh, that went on to win Best of Show in Axis and various awards wherever Mike could be bothered to enter. Turn out. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in case you haven't guessed, I've probably done an introduction already uh, That um, and before this second introduction. It, it's uh, Toby Talbot. Hello. So uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Good to uh, be here. Uh, Talbot. He said slurping a glass of... Uh, and I, I believe it's traditional in these uh, these uh, podcast things to start with. Um, what got you into advertising? Because you are you the sky on sky on sky on. It means the uh, disreputable son of a well-to-do family, oh. which I thought was a term that there's we, a man we, who does been... a lot of crosswords. Um, yes, I. I uh... I suppose we are, a, my family are fairly well-to-do in so much as they're in those kind of posh books like Burke's Peerage and Debrett's and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And, but, and the but, DNAD but, but, annual. And yeah. the DNAD annual, which is, you know, royalty, advertising royalty at least. So I come from, we got a stupid double-barreled name, which I dropped early on in the piece. Um, Fartface uh, Talbot. Shitface Talbot. Shitface Talbot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got, I dropped that. Um, but yeah, so uh, I come from Chet, that. My... Uh, hang on, for, for accuracy, it's Chetwin. 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 Silent. Okay. Yeah, silent. F- we have silent D and wind. Y. <laughs> silent wind. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Crazy name. 
Uh, but strangely enough, both my daughters go by it, and uh, you know, I don't know. It's a really? it's a silly old yeah. name, but yeah. you know, it's been around for about a thousand years, apparently. Yeah, your name's your allegedly. Name. Yeah, nearly as long as you. Uh, yeah, not quite. Not uh, quite as long as me. <laughs> and, and your your uh, Christian name, as I understand, is Tony. M- mostly. Mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, you know. I probably. I, I looking back, I blame Marty O'Halloran for that. Yeah, who, who, who steadfastly refuses to call me anything but Tony, and 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 always kind of laughs at himself when he says it. Yeah. So it's kind of like somebody repeating the same joke joke about you know three thousand times and laughing every time, which possibly says a lot about Marty's sense of humour. Um, but anyway, you know, repetition is a good source of comedy. Apparently, Sli- I've heard, slightly you know, backward, a bit Australian orca. I don't. I can't possibly comment. Yeah. Paul, but I mean, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I get Tony a lot. Yeah, I, didn't, and I think I the didn't N is can... next to the B on the keyboard, and and I like to. I mean, generally speaking, I've been told that that's part of the issue. Uh, I but, I um, didn't know know where it come come from. I knew it was at DDB, but I didn't know it was Marty. I thought it was Jenny Travers. Well, I I've always had it to oh, be perfectly honest. Okay. As long as I I don't know why because it's four letters. It, yeah. You know, it's not it's not that hard. Shouldn't be. It was actually what? Tobias, if if yeah. truth be told. Only yeah, not my... Tonias. Not, yeah. no, yeah, no. Uh, anyway, okay, that's, that's the name sorted out. That's that done. Uh, so, yeah, how did you? You at Chelsea Art? I went to. Where did Chelsea. you go to school? What? what I went to. School? I went to a grammar school, ah. uh, which has a uh, in in England down in uh, in the West Country in Salisbury, which is really only famous for two things. Really, one one it's cathedral, and the other is Novichok poisoning. Yeah. Um, of course, that happened last year or whatever. You know. Yeah, where the Russian, the Russian, where the uh, Russians went on a day trip allegedly, uh, and, and happened to drop some lethal poison off on a doorknob. Could happen uh, to anyone. Could happen to anyone. So yeah, yeah so I grew up there, um, and I went to Bishop Wordsworth Grammar School, which is really not famous for anything other than it's a very kind of it's a very rugby kind of school. So it was the yeah. feeder school for Bath, the rugby team. And yeah. So basically, you 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 ran the risk of dying on the rugby field. Uh, naturally, yeah. I managed to avoid it. Yeah, by by, by being a sort of spotty being a artist. Chess team. So, well, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, that's where I was I spent my formative years, and then I I went up to London. I got into Chelsea, which was a bit of a fluke, really, because I, I I didn't think I was you know cut out for that. But I I, I think I'd run out of options, really. But, but why did, why did you do it? Did you did, well did you... because I, I I always fancied the idea of being a designer because it kind of sounded good. I, I had no real idea. It was as I, what are you? I'm a designer. It just yeah. felt good, and and then I realised quite early on in the course that I was actually hopeless, yeah. and um, I switched to photography. Yeah. So Chelsea at the time had a wonderful, you know, dark room studio kind of thing, and this was obviously pre digital. So yeah. I learned all about photography, and then I kind of managed to bluff my way through a degree. And just at the end of it, I really was thinking, as were they, what the, f- what the fuck is this guy going to do? Because he's clearly not that good at being a designer. And they had lots of illustrators. Doesn't and- stop most of them. Yeah. No, no, no. They carry on, yeah. right? They pers- pers- build, so I, I, I just, uh, Glenn, as I recall, Glenn, my tutor at yeah. Chelsea, said, look, uh, have you thought about anything else? And I said, well, you know, I kind of like the idea of advertising. Um, and only because it, it, you know it, it feels like it's full of people who are sort of parvenus who, who kind of fall into stuff. Yeah. Know, that could be me. And he said, yeah. "Well, I know only one, know one guy in advertising." And I said, oh, "Okay, who's that?" And he said, "It's a chap called Paul Arden." Yeah. And I went, "Oh, okay." So 
some of the listeners might not know who Paul Arden is, but he's quite. He was quite a thing then. Um, yeah, for for listeners, Paul Arden was the creative director when, as I've mentioned before, creative director meant something. Oh, he was the governor. So yeah. uh, he he mm. he was in in charge of uh, Sarches in London in mm. in the heyday. In the heyday, and, and he, yeah. he then left to become a director. Yes, and he wrote a, a quite a famous yeah book entitled the. Is it called the best-selling book by Paul Arden? Isn't it? It's not how good you are; it's how good you want to be, or something like right. that. Isn't okay. it one of yeah. those? Or maybe he wrote a couple. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he—I think that was used as a selling line: the best-selling book by Paul Arden. Ah, yeah, because it was, it was the best. Yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Very clever. Yeah, it, it, it did him did him very well. He sadly, died a few years ago. But he died the, quite young. Actually, it was all a bit sad. But I remember vividly going in there and. Um, not really knowing anything, which was, you know, smart. That, that seems uh, to be your, your, your calling card. Seems to, I've, got, I've got by quite well, <laughs> considering. And I went in to see him, and he, it was a bit like that scene in the, in the Hudsucker Proxy, you know, when Tim Robbins walks into this vast sort of cathedral-like room and Paul Newman sitting at the end, and you kind of walk for yeah. half an hour just to kind of find him. And I did, and he was there in his sort of immaculate sort of tweed suit, um, and 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 he offered me a seat, and, and then he said, "Would you like tea or coffee?" And I, I was like, uh, I, "I shall have tea." And he said, "That is the correct answer." And he said, "I will ha- get you some lapsang souchong tea." And I thought, <laughs> again, I I had no idea what that was. It's yeah. just tea. Yeah. Um, and then next minute, there's an assistant who just appeared out of nowhere, and and then he asked the immortal question, "Do you want to be an art director or a copywriter?" And I said, "Well, I, to be to be honest, I have no idea." Not the right answer. But. Totally the wrong answer. And he he was very curt with me after then. Um, but, you know, I don't know. For whatever reason, um, maybe because of his loyalty to Glenn, yeah. um, he said, well, why don't you come and just follow me around for a month, um, which was extraordinary. That, and, uh, yeah, that, that is quite extraordinary. Yeah. Because to even see Paul Arden in those days... Was- yeah. I th- and I think obviously he and the, my tutor at Chelsea went back a long, a long time, a long way, and it yeah. was just a really lovely thing to do. That I mean, it was hilarious though, because I mean, I was basically treated—I don't know—I was just like an annoying insect in the room with him, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, you carried of, that with you. Again, I can't help it, you know, like today. <laughs> You're just enjoying this. I notice on these podcasts, it's just like, you know, you've got all the lines. It's all ready to go. I'll just serve them up. I'll serve them up. Thank you. you. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll get your own back <laughs> One day. as we go on. Um, yeah, so I just remember the first time he just said, OK, we're going to an edit. And I said, oh, great, an edit. Hmm. <laughs> he said, we'll find the creative team. And so we found the team. And he said, right, we shall go in my car. Uh, and, and, and you know, one of the creatives dared say to him, but the edit's in Soho and we're in Charlotte Street. It was like five minutes walk. And then he mm. said, no, we shall take the car. So yeah. we go down in the private lift, which is only him and Charles and Morris allowing. And then we yeah. walk across to the garage and his Ferrari is waiting for us. And four, four of us get into a Ferrari, yeah. which is, you know, a two plus two, but it was still absurd yeah. and I was kind of more or less jammed on the kind of the parcel shelf at the very back of the car and he took about 45 minutes <laughs> to negotiate the London traffic yeah we finally got to said destination and he uh <laughs> he he parked just on a double yellow line right outside you know on Windmill Street just yeah. outside the edit suite and then he just said um 
right, well, we, we shall go in, Simon and John, I think were their names, Simon and John, we shall follow me. Toby, you stay in the car and look for look out for traffic wardens. And he cracked the window open a little bit, which always made me think I was like some kind of Labrador. And then he shut the door and yeah. fucked off for 45 minutes. So that was my first edit that I didn't go to. Yeah. That was kind of how it was with him. But anyway, it made me, it gave me a taste for, you know, the business. And he was a wonderfully, um, well, obviously a very, he had an incredible eye and he would be working with the best of the best at the time. So, you know, Helmut Newton would come by and show him the photographs he'd taken for his Nivea campaign. And, it yeah. was, you know, I think Helmut was sort of more nervous than Paul because he was Paul Arden. So it was that, it was a, an incredible. So uh, it was the... It wasn't necessarily the work of, of sitting down with a brief and and thinking up daft ideas to sell yogurts. It was no. the, the 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 ethos of I think advertising there was a, that attracted you. Well, I think there was a what I didn't realise about advertising is, and maybe that the kind of the dark arts of how how it all worked and then when i bear in mind i'm walking into an agency who that is as you say on top of their game where there was a supreme confidence that yeah. kind of exuded from every you know every 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 office every team and yeah. famous now famous work was just scamped and on the walls you know um yeah. so it, you learned a lot uh in terms of actually all about confidence as much as anything, which is the ability to kind of take something and do something with it. And so those those four weeks, you know, it wasn't a long time in my life, but it was a time that kind of, I look back now and I go, that was one of two moments in my life that changed everything. And, and what year was that? Fuck, I knew you were gonna ask me that. It was probably, I'd say late, late 80s, something like that, yeah. Okay, the, re the reason I asked that was because at uh, I had a mate who had a mate who worked in a tenuous pool in a it's, I know that's surprising in itself uh, <laughs> who worked in a health, health what do they call medical health agency? A medical agency medical agency mm. just off Charlotte Street right. at probably the same time right and I didn't know what I was doing but I managed to talk him into um, sit, sitting in and and seeing what, what went on there Bit of a step down from Sarches. But well, no, but I mean, I think that's how people learn. You you know, it's an interesting, I mean, even this time of year right now, it's all, all the students are, you know, AUT show last night, you've got the media design school one next, next, next week. Yeah. And you always get that distinct feeling when you meet these guys and, and girls and you look at their work and it's like, shit, some really great thinking here, but you are completely, completely in the dark until you set foot in an agency, I think, yeah. you know. It's all theory. It's all kind of like, you know, I think I know how this works. But until you're actually in a place and you a medical agency, any agency really, yeah. and you kinda of, kinda of look under the bonnet a little bit and you kinda of go, Oh, kinda of get how it's done. Yeah. And it it will be interesting that the uh, that these uh, people who've had you know, I met uh, Paul Arden relatively uh, around the same time again as a yeah. as a student at School of Communication yeah. Arts who used to come in. Oh yeah, he was passionate about that. And uh, where, and whether or not um, in twenty years' time people will be giving podcasts about um, y uh, you and me, long departed, going, oh yes, I met them at adventure such, not, such a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a wanker! Wow, yeah, quite. Um, 
Yeah, so you've mm. you, so you done that. You, you, I did you, that, you and then I kind of got the bug, and then, of course, the recession hit, which I think you and I are both familiar with that, right? Well, which I, was that I, kind I, of I like everyone was, everyone was sort of being laid off left, right, and centre, and it, it, it was the sort of post-Thatcher kind of you yeah. know, bubble burst. I think and we were responsible, probably. I think largely we were. Yeah. You know, I always, um, always blame you. Not a whole... <laughs> I blame myself constantly. Yeah. Um, but then I kind of, I struggled. I struggled. I got a book together. I teamed up with somebody from Chelsea who really had no interest in being in advertising, which, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have just had that conversation with her and, and, and left it at that, but I didn't. And we we walked the streets and we kind yeah. of did what we had to do to try and get in to see people. And then anyway, um, but then I had another stroke of, of fortune, really, which is every year in London, the DNAD advertising concepts workshop as it was known back then it's probably called something completely different now yeah. but came along and 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 was heavily heavily oversubscribed everyone wanted to be on it and it was how it was run back then was that you'd send your application and your your portfolio into yeah. uh you know their offices at the time were in somewhere like st james something very snooty and children this is a physical portfolio this, this is, is a, a this is a portfolio that you get blisters carrying around town yeah. you know and 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 you're full of cardboard and shit ideas basically so it's kind of heavy and you know i i've still kept it naturally i just like to remind myself of how shit i was um back then but um, but I went to send I, I sent in my book, as it was known, to go to 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 DNAD. I dropped it off yeah. there, got a very kind of um, um, sort of curt letter back saying I was unsuccessful. And yeah. uh, at which point I kind of went, oh well, look, you know, because at that age you kind of yeah, go, oh, I'll fuck it, I'll do something business else. Of I'll, do, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll do something else. Uh, and then it was a weird thing. I got this phone call. Um, and and it was from from this woman who worked at an agency called Gold Greenless Trot, which again anybody Home who was a, London agency, yeah, top London agency, uh, and a, a man called Dave Trot, and who was a legend, still is. His blog's incredible, and uh, she uh, had found out. Sorry, he had basically found out that all these people had been rejected by DNAD by two ladies who work in administration at DNAD who's, yeah. who weren't of advertising, who would possibly look at the rendering of the drawings and how neat the, I yeah. don't know, how neat the handwriting was rather than kind of looking at ideas or anything like that. In fact, you know, so... I think subsequent events have shown to be quite accurate. <laughs> <laughs> My handwriting's terrible. Yes. Uh, you're right. Damn, that hasn't improved. So um, anyway, I got he found out Dave Trot, legend Dave Trot. Yeah. He made his poor PA, then contact DNAD and said, can we have a list of all the people you've rejected in the last month? Yeah. It was a very long list. Fortunately... By, at the time, I was going by the name of Chetwin Talbot, so I was C. <laughs> Good work. Good Had work. I been Talbot, yeah. I would never have made it, I'm sure. So yeah. I was part of the first 30 people that she called, and the next minute I'd been invited to join his famous, now famous, because he blogged about it, hmm. Advertising Failures Workshop, as yeah. he called it. So yeah. I went and did that at GGT, and I did that for three months. Um, and that was... So how was that full-time, or was that...? No, no. So that was just an evening thing where you, you'd spend time with uh, some of his pretty amazing teams. So Steve who, Henry, Axel Childercott, all those guys, Dave Waters, Paul Grubb, all those guys. Yeah. Fair, and they would, they no one will know them here, but they're pretty Very famous old, ad, old uh, advertising. Old ad guys. guys. And, and if uh, you heard of an agency you should have done, I think it was the agency of the decade for the mm. 90s. Mm. 
Hal so Hen- they were pretty. Hal Henry, Chaldcott, Lurie. That's right. Yeah, very tango. Interesting. Yeah. And Dave Trot was, um, as his reputation sort of suggested, was fierce and terrifying. And he soon put paid to my art director who didn't like to be told that she was shit. Mm. Um, and so she soon left, yeah. which found me on my own on this course. And then, then one a particular occasion where um, I'd been working on a brief that he'd set and sometimes his teams would come in and then on this occasion the man himself came in and he happened to go straight to me and I could just, you can just tell when people are in a foul mood. He was mm. in, a, in, in a ropeable mood and he basically went through all my scams and went shit, 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 shit. I haven't actually had that since I've worked with, I think it was Michael Sullivan, uh, you know, obviously yeah, famous have, approach. They have similar traits. Similar yeah. traits. And then he went shit, 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 all the way through. There yeah. was no respite. And then got to the very end. He said, you've got 10 minutes to write a good headline and you're off this course. Uh, so showed me to his office, lovely yeah. office. I thought, well, this yeah. could be my only time I ever sit in a very nice <laughs> office in advertising. And I wrote a headline under enormous duress that he ended up liking. So he kept me on the course. So that that was kind of boot camp. Uh, and at that, that point, my work got better because that's the kind of guy he is. Because it had and, to. Well, it kind of had to. But also, you know, like when you rub up against that kind of talent, you you, you do get better. I yeah. mean, I, I always kind of think about advertising is, you know, uh, you you know, great people standing on the shoulders of giants, et cetera. Mm. You've kind of got to be around good people. Yes. If you're around bad people, then you're going to be bad too real yeah. fast. So, so, you know, that was my... A, a couple of breaks, I guess. I look back yeah. at it now and I go, these were two fairly important people who came very briefly into my life and, uh, yeah, kind of shaped me. And then I kind of bumped around a bit and I ended up working at McCann Erickson. So, so just, just to yeah. go back to Dave Trot, I've been, been thinking mm. about this creative director behaviour. Oh, yeah. Um, for various reasons, including writing a book about creative directors. But that helped you get better at your work yeah. that would be described these days by a young person doing it as bullying mm-hmm. and reprehensible behavior um it could be yeah i guess in a in a certain way i guess when i look back at it it was fairly brutal but i suppose you have to remember that that guy was possibly one of the busiest ad guys in london running an international agency who decided by himself, no one prompted him, Mm. to reach out and try and put something back and help people who he felt had got a tough break at the very beginning of their advertising careers. So I guess when you frame it like that, you kind of go, the guy guy was a bit of a saint. Uh, You're absolutely right, I guess, in so much as, you know, there are ways to get great work out of people. I, I personally am not a great fan of the bullying way because I think, Ultimately, people people can do great work if they're bullied, um, but they'll hate you for it, and and they'll leave when they can. But, but you don't you don't hate. Uh, I know, and I'm I'm not saying that what he did was wrong, and no. I, I I think probably uh, people react in different ways. There are some people, so, you know, need an arm around them. That mate, you have it in you. You can you yeah, can yeah. do it. Just keep at it. And other people need to be shocked out of their yeah um, mediocrity. Yeah, potentially. I think I think it's really, it's kind of easy to drift once you're in an agency. I think, you yeah. know, like it's quite easy for people just to move along and just do what they're told to do. And, yeah. You know, and you'll kind of be right if everyone thinks you're funny and 
you know, everyone likes you. You yeah. know, um, it's that talented, talented and nice. Never. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to work harder. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think they're talented, but nice philosophy is, is, you know, it's still a bit true. Nice is a horrible word, but yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think, I think sometimes cajoling and kind of, you know, like doing things by sort of hugging, you know, and here's a wee hug. You're great. You're wonderful. And you're, and you're not, you're, yeah. cl- you're plainly shit yeah. and you need to get your, your act together. I, th- I don't think that does anybody any favors either. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's for me, it's, it's, it's always a hard thing in a way because sometimes you're also frustrated because you may have said it a few times to somebody and they're not listening and yeah. all those things. Uh, there's not really a, the kind of the silver bullet really on all that kind of how do you get great work. But I, I think I take your point that that kind of an approach, which his was, which was, I mean, he was ruthless and he used to talk about how every creative team in his department, he paid no more than £6,000 a year, which obviously in today's money would be yeah. more, but not that much more. So he yeah. was paying people minimum wage and he would be, there was a lot of kind of northern lads who had kind of been, you know, I'd been, I was on a building site and the next minute I'm working in advertising. Yeah. And I kind of felt somehow there was a sort of, you know, Mr. Fucking Fancy Pants surname with a posh name and all the rest. I just thought, well, I'm buggered really, in a way, because at the time it was all about kind of gritty, you know, that was his kind of thing that he got going. And But my God, you know, the results that he achieved yeah. and and the people who kind of look at him as some form of kind of deity now, because well, well, there's an innate wisdom to the man. If you look at his blog, he talks just the most incredibly, you know, he, he talks common sense as much as anything in a very beautiful, measured way incredibly short sentences <laughs> so yes. you know like you read it as a copywriter and you love it for that reason but then you know there's wisdom in the man you, you couldn't you couldn't read a novel written like that you'd struggle you'd say there's a lot of there'd be a lot of negative Sorry, Dave. there'd be a lot of negative space on yeah. every page but yeah. but but certainly as a as well maybe a, could a short one a short novel a novelette yeah, yeah is that what you're yeah. thinking yeah, for your was, creative director books was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, mine, mine will be hugely overwritten the don't, bullying don't, years don't worry about it <laughs> Just, just, just brilliant generally mm. but um, Steve Henry is quite posh isn't he oh yeah I, I don't know yeah um, talking Maybe. about poshness I actually suffered a bit during my formative years because I went to the School of Communication Arts oh, that sounds terribly posh which exactly and there were there were certain creative directors around London who didn't like people from the School of uh, communication arts because they um, they paid to go on it and therefore yes they it's a had, private course I remember it was a private course and I push people and I go I, I spent mm. five years working in fucking casinos to save up enough money to go on this course and you're, you paid and you're refusing for that course to see me because with I'm betting like, you know yeah with the, <laughs> yeah, with, the, the, with, the, with the misery of American gamblers who had lost their money yeah <laughs> Um, I but, know what you mean. I remember all that. I was one of those people who was really fucked off with the school. I mean, I I yeah. I came out of art college with a huge fucking three-year degree, yeah. a three-year degree of of debt and 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 meaninglessness. And and I would love to have done that course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not not in the same year as me and O'Sullivan. Probably quite, quite no, probably not. No, that would be no. That would have been, <laughs> would a bit been too weird. Much. Would have been weird. Okay, so, yes. so you did you did, you did the. Um, that course and yeah. then how long did it take you from that to get a job and, uh, and who was it with <laughs> it took me a while it took me a while so i i ended up 
working, just doing that three-month placement here, three-month placement there yeah. business. Yeah. I ended up at a, you know, working in a pub in the evenings, doing all I can to yeah. get by. Um, and, well, I mean, not all, obviously. I Some dignity. Paul. No, um, no. But I ended up working uh, in a, a place in uh, the city in the, um, where's it called? Spitalfields called the Moorgate Group for the first six months of my life, writing ads for unit trusts, yeah. my working life. And and that was pretty fucking shit yeah. and soul-destroying, but it also taught me the art of headline writing. Now, yeah. as luck would have it, the creative director knew a thing or two about grammar and English and yeah. syntax, and he kind of gave me photos modern English on my first day, and he said, you've got to know the difference between a split infinitive and a dangling and participle, of, of course, you yeah. know the difference, don't yeah. you, Paul? What is the difference? Yeah, Monty. <laughs> I wouldn't have a fucking clue. I didn't yeah. really read it. But but he helped me become a writer. So yeah. even though I was doing dreadful work, I was learning to write. So in my evenings, I'd be getting my book together. And believe you me, I had nothing to do with what I was doing, doing during the day. But again, that kind of helped me start getting ready for working in advertising proper. And yeah, I, I think that the, yeah. the the writing, being able to make an interesting ad using only a headline, is a really useful skill in our oh, business. And oh, dare yeah. I say it, one that is um, maybe falling off, partly because we don't do half as many uh, print ads as we used to. But, but we if do. you can write compelling banner ad using all types. Well, I was going to say, I mean, we, we, we write social posts. We, we basically, we're all over it in terms of actually what we're writing. We're still yeah. writing. It's just, you know, I think you're right that the the care and attention that went into the words seems to be yeah. lacking. And yeah. I think that comes through in a lot of the books that I read. Yeah. And it's not about me being a kind of a Nazi about grammar or anything like that. It's just more about actually even knowing how a sentence works. Yeah. You know, things like that where you go, do you want me to read this the way it's written or do you want me to actually read it the way a sentence should be? So that kind yeah. of stuff really fucks me off. And I don't mean that. And I, I keep it mostly to myself because it's just the way of the world, right? You, you can you, get it out here. Yeah, yeah it's just <laughs> between you us. You can vent. Just between us. Yeah, no one else can That's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame because when you work with great writers, and I have, you know, they just, you know, they they bring to life uh, you know, what could be a very kind of boring, tawdry brief. And then yeah. just through their words, you're smiling, you're laughing. And of course, bear in mind that you, you have to read that to a client who's going to spend a lot of money making it. And yeah. if you're not going to make them laugh with your script, then good luck, you know, or if you're going to kind of draw them in with the words, you know. So I find the art of writing, as you pointed out, I think it's a bit, a bit of a, a tragedy that there isn't more of that sense of kind of, you know, theater that you can get through the right words. I mean, I, great headlines are few and far between, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing the Axis thing this year and we were looking at the print category and I was like, you know, there's like three things in the print category, there's about 3,000 things in other categories yeah. and prints like yeah. campaign, single. I'm like going, yeah, maybe we should put innovation in there, you know, like use print in an innovative way, but that's kind of more kind of like, because it's the death throes probably. I don't know. Yes. In uh, terms of entries of the Axis Award, I'm not just saying of the, I mean. Yeah, and uh, well, the question is, are, are there uh, death rows because nobody does print advertising anymore? And, okay, the um, subscription numbers might not be what 
they were, but I still see plenty of magazines. Yeah, it's funny. We had, I mean, we had Facebook come into the agency the other day and they doing a big thing about, you know, storytelling. I love it when Facebook do that, you know. How to do storytelling in six seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah, good luck. And and one of the things they kind of led with was the Co- Colin Kopatnik kind of headline. Kaepernick. Kaepernick, sorry. Yeah. He's, he's a good friend of Kopatnik. It's, that's another Colin, sorry. Yeah, the, the, the issue here is, uh, listeners, that I'm a big fan of the NFL and Toby ah, is isn't. not. But yeah, I like the, the round ball. Yeah. Um, but they led with a press ad, is what I'm saying. Yeah. A great headline and a visual yeah. and a logo. Yeah. And they talked about that being the complete ad and how wonderful it is. And, and, and it, there was a kind of rich irony to it in a sense because you kind of go, the power of the ad is not how you present it in Instagram or how you might do an Instagram story of that. It's the power yeah. of the words. Yeah. Coupled, coupled with the story of Colin, whose surname I can't pronounce. And, and that was the thing that got me about it. And I, I kind of, I still feel the, the power of the words are everything in a way there. Yes, I, I, I still, yeah. still think they're hugely important. Uh, I don't know if the listeners can pick up your dog snoring. Um, hopefully that's not a reflection of this conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we shall find. We shall Can read, I pour a glass up. of wine for added effect? Yeah. I was just telling Paul about the wonderful uh, Jay Rayner's podcasts, which are... He, he's now in his uh, second bottle, listeners. Out to lunch. And, and basically he's at lunch with famous people and, and you hear these lovely sounds like this. How good is that? And yeah. and knives and forks and burps and farts. No, if, and if you hold that thought for a minute, Toby, I need to I need to go urinate? to the loo. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Which is. Um, uh, can uh, you use uh, the bathroom this time? On my own, yes, <laughs> unassisted. Hmm. But um, I'll, I'll leave you with with one thought, which is that uh, in some of the previous uh, podcasts, we've had to do a lot of editing hmm. because there've been some libelous. <laughs> Things that would come up. Yes. So I've I've learned from, some, think of some from somewhere. This might be from Ben, uh, ben K. I'm, mm. I'm not sure. Thank you, because mm. you Ben. That if you talk about someone, you have to pretend they're in the room. That's a great idea. So you, yeah. Is that is that just a forewarned as forearmed kind of moment? Yeah. So no, no, it's not that. Right. Just in case you because start, I'm on my second glass of red, right? Yeah, there is That's, that. And there you, is that. Uh, and you've and you've complained about dog snoring. You might want to liven things up. Um, I'll be back in in a minute. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Don't say anything. I won't. Well, now Paul's gone to the bathroom. I just want everyone to know. Um, what a crashing ball he is and it's just embarrassing really having to be here um just so you know that anyone who hasn't met paul he is a crashing ball um yeah so just bear with he will try and interrupt me all the time um just you just have to go through what he says because it's you know obviously quite dull um but i'll be back soon after the dog's crying now because you know the dog agrees okay keep smiling just keep smiling. Truth and soul. Put that away. Monty, it's all right, I'm back. Was he, was he touching you? Show me where. Show me where on the doll. Um, right, sorry about that, Toby. That's okay. all right. Now. I love yeah. the way Monty drags his undercarriage along the floor. And <laughs> I say that because 
You're I've jealous. Tried. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> but he's really got the technique down pat, hasn't he? He's very, very good. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Did he learn that from you, do you think? I couldn't comment. I couldn't mm. possibly comment. Mm. I'd, but what surprises me that, that I think you'd get terrible if you tried it. <laughs> Toby's oh. now removing his trousers to try it. Now, if you tried it, you'd get terrible carpet burn, but he seems to get off on the carpet burn. Wow. Carpet burn on the todger. Ah, oh, yeah. That's true. Um, Is that going to be edited out, do you think? <laughs> well, that would be, be the most popular bit. Anyway, I think it um, could be. It's a great headline. <laughs> it's a great headline, mate. Carpet burn on the todger. <laughs> An intimate evening with Toby Talbot. <laughs> um, okay, now, uh, so eventually yeah. you, you've done all this... Hardship. Um you done hard. You done. You done the placements, and somebody was yeah. foolish enough to give you a job. Yeah. Who? Who was that man? Um, it was a guy called. It was a uh, Jerry. Monty, come here. Jerry Green. Jerry Green. So Jerry Green made a name for himself back in the day as the author of the famous, now famous, or were famous at least, Nescafe Gold Blend ads. Ah, yes. Which were kind of an appreciate. If you can imagine, listener, the kind of anchor family kind of vibe where it's a kind of episodical kind of love story between two smarmy people who like shit coffee. Yep. Um, That was pretty much what he did. And, 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 um, you know, it made front. I mean, the what next episode would be basically, you know, front page of the Sun newspaper, you know, like just to. And this is pre-social media, obviously, but, yeah. but that would be quite a far-reaching effect for uh, uh, an advertising campaign. Now, so yes. without being too snooty about it, I think we'd all agree that if we could kind of do a campaign where everyone is waiting to the point where the, the national newspapers would, you know, guess as to what would happen next. That's what he did. That's what yeah. he did. He, too, was passionate about writing, and I remember joining... He hid that well. Well... <laughs> He did. He fucking did. But when I joined, he he, he kind of Jerry. I'm just Jerry. Joking. Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. Um, but you know, the day I joined, he gave me. I think Pulp Fiction had come out, which dates dates me a bit. Mm. But he gave me the um, the Tarantino screenplay. Yeah. And he gave all the writers a Tarantino screen, screenplay of of Pulp Fiction. And I think most of us were looking at Pulp Fiction and looking at the Gold Blend ads and. <laughs> Perhaps seeing a bit of a gulf between them, but nonetheless, the uh, the 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 intent was good, yes. and and again, I've been fortunate because I think a guy like him, you know, he, he you know had his moment, and did yeah. really well. Because um, that campaign sold a shitload. Of oh, mate, you know, like the if you think about it, it's the worst coffee, right? But they yeah. sold tons of it. Maybe just the the great unwashed don't understand what a good coffee is. Yeah, well, the flat whites weren't even invented then, I don't think. If you'd asked for a flat white in London back then, I don't know what you'd get, really. you get a punch. you get a punch. Um, So I learned a bit about, again, about writing. Not necessarily from him, but there were people in that department who were rather good, like Derek. (laughs) Not from him. (laughs) Derek Haas, who uh, (laughs) was an art director. Who's an art director, but he knew a thing or two about communication. Yeah. We used to call him lovingly Miss Havisham because he was, you know, he... He he was one of those guys. He was in his seventies. He yeah. was on a huge amount of money. Worked three days a week. Drove a Porsche. And I kind of went, "You're kind of a dude," because I'm a deeply vapid individual, yeah. which you know of me. But it's I kind true. of went, um, 
he's kind of clever and he'd done all these ads. I think he won, he, he had a claim to be the most, have, having the most DNAD pencils, but that didn't really count because he'd been entering DNAD since 1965, where yeah. I suspect back in 1965, it wasn't quite so hard to win a DNAD pencil, yeah. but I might, I might be wrong. Yeah. But I learned a fair bit from him. He was wonderful. Uh, and it, it was that, his thing was about showing the cleaner your ads. He always used to say, for God's sake, don't keep it to yourself. If you're not sure, just grab somebody Say, what do you think? That kind of sense of not... I thought it know. was John Webster, but maybe both. Well, I mean, I suspect they're both of the same. I mean, he used to work yeah. with John Webster. Ah. So yeah, there you go, ex-BMPer. Yeah. Ex yeah. uh, Derek has... Uh, I've only ever spoke to him once in my life. Yes. We got, we got something in, in DNAD right. donkeys years ago, and yes. he didn't know me from Adam. He rang me up. Rang me up to say how much he liked the ads, and, oh, and uh, how wonderful they were. That was, he, that was he, really kind He of was... A lovely man, actually, very uh, generous. And um, uh, Mike Cousins, who was uh, creative director at, at, around that time, um, ha said that the hardest thing he ever had to do in his life was turning down an ad from Derek Hess. He yeah, was so passionate about Deep, it. deeply passionate, deeply passionate, and and uh, yeah, fabulous person. Yeah, so I, I mean, again, that kind yeah. of being around people like that helps you enormously. And then I, um, I suppose, just because people will need to be kind of woken from their torpor of yeah. us talking about people that they don't know. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I happened to get an opportunity to work in New Zealand, yeah. um, which was kind of weird and fluky. I'd worked with a few Kiwis, and I always loved their 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 sense of optimism, coupled with a with a with a lovely. Sated, jaded, sated, jaded cynicism. Hard to say after a glass and a half, but jaded sort of. There was a cynicism that made me think they're inherently British. I the thought. Kiwis. I thought that we introduced the cynicism to New no, I think Zealand. It, I it think it came already. from here. Oh. I think it came from here. Oh. I'm sorry. Well, so I always kind. Of, well, they're kind of my my kind of people. Yeah. So um, and then I got an opportunity, and you know, weirdly, I got flown down for an interview in Wellington. <laughs> This is a terrible thing to admit to. I got an interview in Wellington at so, an agency. And, and they paid for it. They, they flew you down. They flew me business down. Business or in the back? Oh, fuck. I can't remember. Oh, I, I didn't I really care yeah. back then. Now, of course, yeah. I'm an incredible snob. It was in the back. Yeah. Stowage. Yeah. It was just me and three dogs yeah. in a crate. Yeah. Rocked up in Wellington just as a southerly was blowing in. Hmm. And, um, and basically, I just thought, I can't live here. I can't live here because this weather is worse than the weather that I've come from, which is pretty shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I now know that there are five days of the year where it's absolutely fucking glorious in Wellington. Yeah. You know, the Riviera uh, of whatever, wherever they are. Of, of the, the Cook Strait. <laughs> of the Cook Strait. <laughs> but I, I, I just felt, oh, God. And then, but I knew that there was a sort of somebody in Auckland who might be interested. So I called up and... Next thing I knew, I was picked up. I, I, I made some feeble excuse about going to see a, an aged aunt in Auckland on my yeah. way back, so I managed to do that. Yeah. Spent two days in Auckland, met the wonderful Roger McDonnell. Well, he, he could pass as an aged aunt, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Roger. Sorry, Roger. There's another lawsuit pending. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I ended up spending two days in Auckland, and then I ended up taking a job at Colenso, which back then, ladies and gentlemen, was a pretty fucking shit agency, but they happened to be very big. Yeah. Um, so you're starting from a base of of big, and 
you know, bit by bit, kind of. And so, sorry, yeah, fast forward, I, I went back to London, had some very kind of um, shaky video camera footage of Auckland, which my wife really enjoyed, made her yeah. vomit. In fact, it was so bad, the footage. And yeah. we didn't really have those things like cameras on phones they, uh, back in have... 1904. Um, yeah. uh, and then I got but... back on the Mayflower, head back, headed back to London yeah. and uh, uh, took the job, accepted the job, yeah. Jacked it in at, at, at McCann, and then, and then so kind of because you were you were frustrated by. Oh, um, uh, I'd 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 done the kind of really smart thing of buying a house whenever yeah. I could, and yeah. then having two children by the time I was sort of sort of twelve, know, twelve kind of yeah. felt like it probably, but you know mid twenties. Yeah, and I just found myself going, oh god, this is hard. And and then a couple of things happened. I got mugged by gunpoint. That that's always a good really? kind of leveler. And then I took uh, our youngest down to the local park, and there were she was playing in the sandpit right next to a large syringe. A uh, couple of things like that that kind of not made yours. Me, no, I I always smoke it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, I I decided there and then that fuck this is shit. Um, and I'd heard so much about. Uh, New Zealand from my Kiwi friends in London, although ironically they were in London and not in New Zealand. <laughs> but uh, I decided to let's do this, and so Joe, sight unseen, my lovely wife, decided that that was a good idea, and we, I don't know why, but I held out for residency. I said, no, I need to have residency, but that only made them more kind of go more determined back in the day of saying, you know, oh great, he's really serious about coming yeah. here, as opposed to he's going to come here for six months. Or and so, what, what year was this? Uh, 1904. Um, yeah. N- 19, uh, actually, 1990, end of 96. 96, yeah. So I've got a few years on you, mate. years ago, yeah. I'm, I'm and then, 19 years. Yeah, and then I kind of stayed at Colenso and got in there and the creative director I worked for at the time um, kind of soon went. Next minute, Mr. O'Sullivan comes into my life like a sort of jolly... Well, everything he's not now, really. Sort of jolly, fat, shorts-wearing, kind of jandal-wearing... Leprechaun. Sort of leprechaun, and not the svelte gentleman he is today, but... You the know. smart silver fox. But. Well, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's just the most fantastic journey that we went on, and, you know, Mike uh, taught me heaps and was, you know, like... And also just kind of hiring, I mean, God, magnet for great people as well. So back then, super, super kind of people came and came into the agency and, you know, Mike's ability to kind of attract talent. I, would, I am still to this day kind of in awe of, really. Um, he, based lies. Off base, he lies. I think he lies. I think he lies. But, I mean, you know, we all lie. We, don't, he, have, we don't have to pretend, Mike. <laughs> we can just abuse him. But, I mean, you know, he was, you know, it was an extraordinary time. And it, and it was kind of lovely. And to this day, that's kind of more, more my thing, you know, where I'll, I'll go somewhere and kind of make it better rather than kind of, I think, you know, God, God knows how hard it would be to go into somewhere really good and make it yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was an amazing, great journey. Eight years. Longest I've worked anywhere. Yeah. And and then from there... Because Roger went, uh, as I recall, they had, they had the, the business. It, yes. was a, it was a big, solid, not, not the Colenso BBDO that, that the world knows now, but mm. it, was a, it was a well-run, profitable New Zealand, not particularly sparky advertising agency. Quite. And, and Roger, I believe, Roger mm-hmm. McDonnell went, fuck this, I, wanna, I want us to do great work yeah i mean the thing about roger that's wonderful 
is you know Rogers are creative through and through you know and 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 you know yes back in the day he worked with Len Potts who's one of the most famous you mm. know New Zealand writers there ever was and I think they created some famous work now I work on Toyota now and you know the, the crumpy ads of way back when that was all Roger and Len you know yeah and and so Roger uh, you know loves creative always has done always will do I think and then so yeah that's right it was a I mean, it was still a very big agency, and back then it was Clemenger. It was more Clemenger than it was BBDO, yeah. um, but it was still like it was still a big, big business, and you know, lots of kind of suits, sort of you know, um, running it. And, um, and when I say suits, I'm talking about Peter Clemenger and kind of deeply terrifying individuals like that. Yeah. Um, and Rog just kind of tried to his best to kind of push, keep them away, and try to kind of create that environment. But I think hiring Mike. Um, and then, you know, kind of Maddox and all these great people who've kind of come and gone um, in that agency. And now, obviously, you've got Nick and now you leave Ayala. But that that whole kind of renaissance happened around about then. And, and you know, uh, all power to Colenso because they, as I said, you know, being great and staying great, that's yeah. really the true test of a good agency. And uh, and I think, you know, back then I, I just remember some of the the kind of the incredible people and not necessarily the incredible work because i think at the time you know the whole awards focus back then was pretty unhealthy to be honest there was yeah. lots of awards chasing and stuff like that yeah. that kind of affected really <laughs> everything um uh, but I think at the same time, the buzz that started going around that agency i think is you know was yeah well, and I think because that, that was just as I came to New Zealand and I think that well I think you know it's true to say that you were the you know it was a pivotal moment you for me well no I mean, for <laughs> Colenso you worked with me yeah for how long T two weeks I think said <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny uh, we're both by the way we're both writers in case you don't know that listeners but so therefore uh, we had a kind of like it was all about writing headlines wasn't it but um who did the art direction? Lindsay Redding. Lindsay Redding. Gen genius. Let's have a little razor glass to Lindsay Redding. Lindsay who's no, no longer with us. One of the toppest of top people. Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. Yes, that was good. Uh, so Fine. the uh, at that time, so so that uh, uh, New Zealand used to be the the great advertising came out of Sarches. For sure. Uh, and then Colenso started doing great stuff, doing and that and that. That seemed yeah. to wake up the whole industry to hey we should we should be trying to do that. So I was just trying to think who's in the the Colenso creative department then. Steve Cochran, who's been there for about two hundred and thirty seven years. The Hardy perennial. Um, that's a that's a gardening term. Uh, for uh, Leon and Lucian. So Lu well, Lucian, that's right. who Le went Leon, on to Leon, shine. Yeah. Leon is over in Melbourne, I think. He's in Melbourne, but you know he went on to great things. Worked, yeah. worked in really good agencies in Chicago and worked through the was in the states for a long time. Yeah, very yeah. talented. Uh, um, Lucian, now the restaurateur, obviously. Yeah, uh, um, Richard Maddox. I don't know. Have you heard of him? Never heard of no, him. Never heard of him. Oh. Uh, Leo Promutico, who is kind of godfather to my girls and rather uh, I, I spoke to him only yesterday now yeah. has just employed his 200th person in his agency in new york so to to um people who don't know leo is a um quite an extraordinary individual i had a fantastic time with him judging mm. cleo in las vegas mm. uh which was a lot of fun uh, uh 
Australian, very driven, fantastic uh, footballer. Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. Where well, he mm. used to play out in the... He used, he used to, to train out. with Harry Kuehl. He was going to be a... He had a trial for in the Bundesliga. Yeah. The well, he told me he, he was... He, uh, Sorry. I'm sure he told you the story, but um, he was, on, he was, on, he was a, on a plane to go up to Eintracht Frankfurt or something. And he That's got, right. His he, appendix burst. His appendix burst. And he went, mm. that was a sign that he shouldn't play professional football. And that I'm was going, a sign Meh. that he should go and work for Mike O'Sullivan for three bob a, a week at, at Colenso. And yeah. he's regretted it ever since. Kids, if you're ever at the airport and your appendix burst, do not yeah. go and work for Mike O'Sullivan. <laughs> Take, go and play for me. Yeah, so United. Leo's incredible. Um, but yeah, so Josh Robbins, I was just thinking who else was yeah. there. Um, and then, you know, Rebecca Carrasco, yeah. the wonderful Natalie Knight, who is back at Colenso. Maria Ward, as she was then. And complete losers like uh, Jarko van der Venter, um, Darren Wonkam, and... I'm not going to add to the <laughs> list. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> you left me hanging. Monty winked, and I was like, that's the don't talk moment. Um, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing time. Oh, yeah, I'm joking, hoof and wonky. Um, yeah, so you went to... Sachi. Mike left. Mike left. Mike left. Mike left, went to Clems... Clems, Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, Roger kind of did that kind of classic Roger thing where he couldn't decide between Rich and I to take over, so kind of... And then told us that. Yeah. Which, which so either way it was always going to be awkward and initially it was me in charge and then it became Rich and myself and then it became this kind of weird thing where classic example ladies ladies and gentlemen of you know a bit of indecision causes, that, causes only a, two people listening so lady and gentleman yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah well Monty's and Monty's not listening he's yeah. asleep again so yeah. so yeah so basically it was kind of like you know who's going to run this and it became a bit weird and then I, I kind of thought oh no you know I don't want to be a creative director I fucking Fuck hate uh. this job and Mike says come and write for me and carry on doing what you've been doing and I did uh, I took uh, Rebecca over from Calenzo she Caresco, was my creative yeah. partner yeah Caresco and uh, kind of then I just thought this is my happy place I'm back to writing again I was always kind of a bit reticent about being a, a creative director yeah. um, and uh, started writing again and then of course Mike's famous fear of flying meant that sooner or later I was going to have to run Toyota who are down in Palmerston North so yeah. Kind of by that, default, I became a creative director again, running Toyota, who were obviously who were. I think that are. was when he invented uh, fear of flying because he didn't want to go to Palmerston North because he, for someone who hates flying, he does an awful lot of it. Paradise North, as a yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's right. What he does now, maybe the the drugs have evolved, particularly, or or he's always loved it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you, you're right. I, I, I don't know. So I did that. Yeah, had a great time. Yeah. Had had a, a, a an amazing time, and then of course at that point you and well, i our, our paths cross well we're, we're just going back there's some there was some uh, uh, uh that's not me by the that's, way that's the dog the dog's hocking something up the dog needs heimlich maneuver <laughs> there are a lot of um very talented creative department then at, that was absurd oh my at, god the at dog. what's the dog doing uh okay uh matty and dave the wonderful Matty and Dave. Matty and Dave, who are now, are they Facebook? Wasting no, their lives? No, 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 oh, they're, they're head, head of uh, Google Zoo Asia Pacific. Oh, Google, Facebook, same thing. 
Uh, spoken, <laughs> spoken like a true futurist. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, only a matter of time. I uh, know. Uh, uh, Jay and Andy, who were Jay and to, Andy, who were colourful, went and on to yeah, stuff in, yeah, in Australia yeah, yeah. and, and uh, that's right, New York. Oh, fantastic people! Yeah. I mean, I I don't think I. It was like, kind of, it was like, as a football man, I I was thinking of the Galacticos, you know, the yeah. kind of the Real Madrid squad. Yeah. What always made me laugh, and one of the things I've loved about Matty Burton is that he kind of tells it like it is, you know, as mm. the son of a biker gang head in, from Adelaide, you know. Mm. So, yeah, like, I mean, it was an amazing bunch of people. And that was two years that rushed by. And then, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of got, I felt like I kind of got my mojo back as a creative director. I kind of went, oh, I, I kind of understand it. Yeah. Uh, I think the being a, being a, a writer and making that transition to being a creative director is it's a huge transition nobody teaches you what to do no and and also there's that thing for me um of going do you want to be the center forward or the manager because you kind of can't do both mm. and there's always that classic mistake i think really good creatives make which is that kind of you know the knight in shining armor look don't worry yeah i'll take it from here which, you know, I, I, without naming names, I know a lot of creative directors who've done that. And, and it kind of does two things. One, one, yes, you're right. It proves to everyone that you're a writer, but they knew that already. Uh, more importantly, what it does is your creatives kind of hate you for it because you'll end up being the knight in shining armor on all the big jobs. And, you know, it begs the question, why do you have all these people in your department when you're writing the ads yourself? So mm. it's kind of like for me, letting go of the reins a little bit and 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 there was a really big transition for me at that point where which was about going actually what's really really cool is helping finding talent nurturing talent creating great people and then taking all of the credit yeah i think i think that's that's <laughs> That's a, that's a, that's the blueprint. That's the blueprint, <laughs> right blueprint for creative direction right there. And then uh, and then uh, firing them no, that, that's, that's frowned on these days. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was great. And, it, and then I got a call from Marty saying, Kama, yeah. you know, the love of my life yeah. is going to set up his own agency and, you know, do you want to come on board? Which was... No, I wasn't. I was going to... Oh, no, you went to, to Melbourne. I went to Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that for you? Um, See how I just... Oh. The listeners, how I turn the tables? No? Okay. Uh, Next week we'll be doing a podcast. I'll be interviewing Paul Kempner. <laughs> Melbourne was a very interesting, very interesting time, and no. it—it's not what you told me. It well, interesting as in revealing. Yeah, and it it convinced me that Out I should Paul. stay. <laughs> I should stay in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, I th yeah. For me, I think. Uh, Potentially, had had I gone to Sydney, then that I yeah maybe would have stayed over there. But I'm quite happy to have quite happy yeah. to have. Uh, and I back. think yeah, it's interesting because I get asked all the time, and you will ask me, I'm sure, is the differences between Australia and New Zealand because I spent a couple of years there. Yeah. In Sydney, and you know, to which the short answer is, there's no fucking difference at all when you're in advertising. I think you can be in multitudinous agencies all around the world, and it's the same old problems that we always have mm. i think the difference here is that because we're a significantly smaller market you're not going to have you know this 
you know, you're not going to have a huge kind of layer cake of bullshit that you have to kind of go through to get to a decision maker. Whereas I think, you know, one of the key things in bigger markets is that there are lots and lots of, you know, kind of boxes that need to be to people in the middle, right? And here you'll see the CEO and you'll see the head of marketing and then job done, you know, usually. I I had some, I, I don't think they are the same. I had some extraordinary experiences in but in melbourne yeah no I, I, i'm I, not going to go into <laughs> no but i i think yeah look it's great here there's no doubt about it and the proof is in the pudding the work's fantastic but mm. i do think you know the two years i had at ddb sydney were phenomenal in terms of the work we did and the, and yeah. the clients that we had and the, and and blah 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 and i go so, so to that point, it's just a time and a place, isn't it? And I think if you go to Melbourne and you're, you know, I mean, we've actually got a Melbourne office and they're doing incredibly well. Toyota's down there, Saatchi's, and, you know, it's hard. It, but it's a hard market, right? It's very old school. It's mm. a kind of Wellington kind of vibe where yep. it's about who you know. And yep. then when you look at Clems Melbourne, certainly when you were there, you know, they're huge stronghold. Um, yeah. But, you know, I know enough about your experience because we've had that conversation that we don't yeah. need to go well, into. But it is a time and a place. You have to be, you're somewhere at a time. And if it's if you're in the right agency at the right time, you can do great work. Yeah. I guess that's my point. Rather than necessarily saying all the clients are shit over there and they're great here. It's, you know, you know not necessarily yeah. true. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily true. Um, anyway, so you you had many happy years at at uh, at DDB New Zealand. Yeah, I had five actually, five, and it yeah. felt it was weird after the kind of the eight years at Colenso, which you know when you look back, I kind of it felt a lot shorter. Yeah, and five years at DDB, which felt a lot like longer. A long time. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it was phenomenal, and you know, obviously, great legacy from you taking over there, and and you know, I guess. Wonderful clients, one of whom I... I uh, did you listen to uh, I did, yeah, 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 yeah. I love, you know, and Mike is Mike. You know, Mike is a... a, Mike, is a Mike Watson we're talking about here, listener. Yeah, Mike, Mike... Um, of Sky TV. Mike from Ex- Sky TV. Yeah, we actually went to cricket on uh, Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And, you know, um, Mike's a one of a kind. Yeah. It was kind of reminded me in a, a, a you know with his humor of an early Peter Sellers again again the listeners won't know who Peter Sellers is but you know yeah. think the pink panther maybe but he's a funny bastard really yeah. and what i loved the most about mike is that i don't think he ever did a powerpoint in his life a because he didn't have to because he got all the suits at ddb to do them for him on all yeah. of his presentations is and b it didn't really matter to him you know like mike is not a and I did listen to him, and I think Mike learned heaps along the way. But ultimately, he had great taste. I always thought he, he had a an aesthetic, and he had the confidence to back ideas that he knew might get a few complaints along the way, but it didn't stop him. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what separates people like Mike from I think a lot of technically speaking very clever people who yeah. who who kind of hide a little bit behind the science i think i think you're right i think he he, he was very instinctive he just go i i like it yeah and and he would realize yeah. he, he, he you know he wasn't stupid he'd go yes the, the we'll probably get complaints about this but if you don't get complaints no one's paying you paying any attention so we'll go with it and i think he had 
he had a great relationship with uh, John Follett, who's the CEO of Sky He did. TV I mean, I, I, I think probably um, during my tenure, that relationship was tested more than it was during yours. Um, there yeah. was certainly one occasion... John liked me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I no. never really got to meet John. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> awkward. So, uh, <laughs> so no, I just remember one occasion where um, a young team who, uh, funnily enough, came to see me when I was, I'd, the day I'd resigned from Saatchi, they came to see me with their book, young, talented team. Well, I, I knew they were talented. Their book sort of suggested otherwise, but my my instinct was that they were good. Yeah. And I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you just walk out the door uh, now? And we forget that we had this meeting. Uh, I started at DDB in a month's time and come and see me, and that was mm. Simon Vickers and James yeah. Tucker. Yeah. And Vickers is a great comedy writer, as as most people in advertising know now, and now currently at Adam and Eve in London and doing funny Marmite ads. But back then... Uh, and, and listen to his podcast. Right. Yeah, so be careful. So but he is in the room now. No, I... Rickers, as we knew him back in the day at uh, DDB. No, no, we're we're good. I would would never say anything negative about Simon other than the fact he's a bit of a wanker. I mean, that's okay. I'll edit out that other name that you called him. Yeah. Yeah. But he he did a... I mean, he and Simon... um, Sorry, he and Giant, as he was known. Giant and Cy. They they did an ad for Sky, (laughs) for Arking Al. And, uh, you know, uh, David Shane directed it, came down from New York, top comedy director. Felt like a good idea at the time. Yeah. K Sarah Sarah bought the yeah. rights, did the lyrics. The whole thing was, you know, when I kind of go, you know, like sick humor. This was this was this was kind of essentially wrong on most levels. That I look back at it now and I go, Jesus, that could have been a fireable offense for an agency. And uh, John Follett, who I since found out you'd know Paul because you've yeah. probably been to church with him, but really? is a, is a Christian. And uh, oh, you never told this me was that. an ad involving somebody sleeping with a lady boy, uh, a man having his hands chopped off by a shark. It pretty much ticked all the vile kind of boxes that needed to be ticked by a, a, a good Christian soldier. And uh, I always thought it was uh, um, biographical of you, other than. Other than <laughs> Right. Look at my hands. Yeah. Look at oh. my hands, Paul. Look at yeah, my hands. Yeah. Oh, obviously not. Um, anyway, that was, on air for a, that was on air for less than a month. Um, and and we uh, listener, fired. in case you don't know what Toby's referring to, is it still on YouTube? It might have Probably. Been pulled down. So the, the yeah, it, it, it was, yeah. It, it, it was, it was black humour. One way of putting it. And... I guess you always you, like those things can always be taken. Are you going to say the wrong way? They could be taken the wrong way potentially. Yeah. Oh no! Well, I mean, lesson, yeah, learnt. lesson learnt. It wasn't probably one of my no, yeah glorious moments. A question because I've yes. you know, I, I've had similar things yeah. blow up in your face. At what point did you go? Oh fuck! This is not this when is Mike not what called. it said on the tin. When Mike called, because the thing about Mike, Mike oh. well, because no, because I think the thing about Mike that is so um, is so incredible is that you know he he's like having a I mean and and easy to take advantage of this. There's Mike way. O'Sullivan people, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Mike Watson is that he oh, is, Mark, oh uh, sorry is that he's a creative in a way yeah. 
And so when Mike laughs, you go, yeah. it's funny. Yeah. And and you find yourself getting into a quite a different mindset. And I don't know about you, mate. I mean, you did great work together, but it's kind of like there are times where you kind of, it, it all gets a bit blurred because you go, and he goes, what about this? And you go, yeah. oh, that's a good idea. Let's yeah. let's yeah. do that. So he's, without doubt for me, the only client who's kind of been like that. Yeah. You know, and that's what makes yeah. him, you know, who he is. Um, uh, unemployed. Actually, yes. harsh, probably. But, I mean, you know, he's a wonderful no, guy. No, no, I'm he, sure he, he's, he's uh, as employed as he wants to be at the moment. I think, well, I suspect so. He's a special person. Yeah. Um, uh, We're going to rename this the Mike Watson <laughs> podcast. The Mike Watson podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, that was great. Mm. Um, but, yeah, five years there. Uh, so, so, so Mike my, my rang up and went, ooh. Yeah, I mean, I think Mike was like... John's all, not happy. He or? was all for it and then went, ah, oh, John's a Christian, it's all over, it's all bad, we're going to do this. But it wasn't that usual, what I call a kind of uh, having a um, a blamestorming meeting, yeah. as I call them, you know, where you know I everyone know, goes in the room yeah, and goes, it's, yeah. it's your fault. I no. told you. It's your yeah. fault. No, it's your fault. It's, no, it's yeah. your fault. It was it, it was him saying sort of, you know, mea, mea culpa, you know, I bought this, I... I Bought this idea, yeah. I did it. You know, it was the wrong call. Blah blah blah. And yeah, we had to kind of, we had to do a bit of, you know, work to yeah. kind of get back in there. But I think, you know, I think he mentioned the sergeant major thing that we did for Sky. That yeah. was that yeah, kind of reversed that. it. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's the thing about working with great marketing people is that yeah. you know, like, and and in New Zealand, working with great marketing people means taking risks. I guess. Um, calculated but, risks, you could call it, but there's still an element of, wow, we're going into this and we don't really know what the outcome's going to be because that's why, you know, like it's the opposite of programmatic digital banner ads in a sense where you go. Well, you I, know they're not going to work. Well, in a way, yeah. yeah. I mean, sorry, you know, I mean, yeah. somebody will tell you that the click-through rate's really good, but you and I both know that when those pop up on our feed, what do we do? Right? Well, well, that, that's if they do pop up on your feed because you've got an ad blocker on. I, I don't want to potentially I can neither confirm or deny that I have ad blocker. But yeah, all of that. All of yeah. the above. So yeah. So that was cool. I mean and, and starting at DDB was um kind of weird because I'd heard a whisper that the lotteries business was up for pitch. And then when I got there, sorry, a week before I started, yeah. it was it was all on. And yeah. I think DDB were kind of the joker in the pack. It was everyone kind of thought, well, I think it was a low at the time with Josh. He, may, right. yep. he may have talked about it to you about certain moments during the pitch process. Is that right? Will you, will you share with me? He talked more about Vodafone. But. Oh, it was a Vodafone. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that happened, and that was in my first week. And uh, we were the kind of the joker in the pack, and it was either going to go to Colenso or, or Saatchi. And, you know, just had a really you know great relationship with um with the client wendy and we just kind of worked through it and we just got better and better the work got better and better and that was mm. bid and regan doing an amazing job yeah. And, um yeah we managed to win that which was huge to be yeah. honest and and that 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 was the start of a really good run there i think so yeah. you know wonderful and and again you know this you work there you know there's a there's something about the ddb thing <laughs> it's hard to describe what it is but you know if you if you look at a if you look at somebody like bill burnback and what he stood for it's pretty it's pretty hard to find somebody better as a north star of creativity absolutely you know? um, absolutely you know i remember when i worked at mccann they used to have this thing called truth well told which they'd coined in the sort of 1910s mm. which became lies well sold 
Um, uh, And, and, you know, every agency has their thing. I mean, at least with Saatchi, there's Nothing is Impossible, which was coined back in the day pre-Adidas, I should say, you know. Really? It was the pre-Adidas? Oh, totally. Because when it 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 came out afterwards. Yeah. And and it looked, because, sorry. I know. The Adidas line, Impossible is Nothing. Possible. Impossible is nothing. Possible yeah. is nothing. It was done by TBWA, mm-hmm. London, which mm. is about 100 yards away from the Sarches building. And Sarches came out with, well, to, to the rest I of the world, was, they came out with it. I think it was like, Charles and Morris, to be honest. I mean, I might right. be wrong, but I I, um, uh, I yeah. think, you know, there's, it's, it goes, it, yeah, it goes back a long way. Yeah. And and it's very much, there's a great book that was written about Charles and Morris Sarche called Chutzpah and Chutzpah, which... Yeah talked about the devilish ways that they started their business, which included two wonderful things, which I'm sure you've heard, is that they would hire people, extras. To, to wander around the office. Yeah. Wander around the office, the sort of the people in the background, if you like, who weren't really plugged into anything at the time, but they just looked busy. Mm. My favourite story the was... The department. <laughs> <laughs> that's not changed. Yeah. And my favourite one was the taxi driver. They basically hired a black cab. Uh, they owned a black cab, and they had a driver who would pick clients up, post pitches, who would leave the window open and listen to every word that was said post pitch. I, I don't know if it, it, it if it's apocryphal or a twist on that, but I heard that that Wynar was the same. Like Wynar used to mm. employ Wynar London mm. uh, two two I think drivers permanently very people about and I think were, I met one of them so when I went to Rainy Kelly yeah that guy had been around for about a thousand years yeah. he didn't look fit to drive to be perfectly honest he was yeah. that old yeah from the Henri uh, school of yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right so he uh, yeah quite possibly who knows I suspect they copy so so, uh, glossing over DDB and going to <laughs> you Let's. went to London yeah I got it was a weird old time. I, I'd done for five years at DDB and, and we'd had a great run and the agency had doubled in size and campaign brief agency of the year four years in a row or something like that. It was vulgar, but very good. And then I found out that my dad had dementia and was dying. And it was kind of one of those moments where I realised that I told my family I was coming for two years and that wasn't quite the case it yeah. was 20 years and just felt this compulsion to go back and I, I i remember were you close to your father not close enough mm. so i figured time was of the essence and so i kind of thought i'll go back and spend some quality time um <laughs> funny old game so i i went back um well no sorry to be clear uh ddb were wonderful and mm. said we'll keep your job open and all these things, but I I wasn't sure he'd he'd just been diagnosed with dementia, so of course you yeah. know, you you didn't know, and so kind of my worst case scenario would be to be with him and spend time with him and then having to go back, kind mm-hmm. of, and and to be fair to DDB, they were you know they said well we'll keep your job open for a year and we'll get something which was kind of um, incredible of them, yeah, um, but then for me. I just kind of felt uh, I probably need to go and with it. It's, a, it's kind of an open ticket, as it were, really. And, <laughs> of course, within a couple of months of me going back, he died, mm. which changed everything. And 
I took a holiday job at Rainey Kelly as ECD, which was at the time the third biggest agency in London. And, um, you know, and it was incredibly, um, and again, the power of New Zealand in, in a sense and what we'd been doing at the time. I got offered a MNC, yeah. you know, uh, Rainey Kelly and um, McCann. Mm. And, you know, I've long been a lover of the BBC. So, of yeah. course, that was their biggest, or not their biggest by any means, but. I'd say their best client. So, who was fa- who was the client? Who was anyone? Justin Berryman, yeah. who ex Liga Delaney, mm. and there's a story in that, that mm. I probably should tell. But um, my first serious girlfriend uh, ended up marrying him, so he found out that I was going to Rainey Kelly as ECD, uh, and literally dropped a glass at the boardroom table of the BBC and went, "Not, not Toby, that fucker." That fucker. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway, I, I I went back and yeah, and he popped his clogs, poor old bugger. And uh, uh, I stayed there for a while, and then I kind of thought, how uh, how, how uh, together was he in the time? Oh, he he went super super fast. You know, like I can I kind of you know like my mum's going through it now, and it's different for everyone really. But he he went into rapid decline and. So by the time we got there, he was essentially like, it was like talking to a five-year-old who wanted mm. to be picked up by his mum, you know. Mm. So it was never really a a particularly kind of, you know, it wasn't a moment to have good, good honest chats. Yeah. Um, so, which is a shame, obviously. We'll regret that forevermore. But, um, and then Joe, uh, my, my lovely wife, got a bit super homesick and went, well, I don't know if I can do this. And so she, uh, and also she works, uh, has been working and wanted to go back and kind of get back into that. So I found myself in a rather awkward situation, if you like, where I was in London thinking, oh, this didn't really go according to plan. She's back here. So she came back um, and started practicing and I was like going, okay. Oh, sorry, so Joe was getting homesick for New Zealand. Oh, totally. I mean, right, okay, because Joe, Joe is a... Is a she's another pom. Pom too, yeah. But she loves it here. She's Yeah. yeah. Um, so she wanted to come back. I Yeah, so I decided. Mm. It was kind of one of those really awkward conversations where I had to give, and I had to give six months' notice, not not one. Yeah. Um, and so, guys, it's been great, but I'm out of here. Um, and so I came back. Uh, Who was that to, to Mark Rolfe? Yeah. yeah, and Rolfie and I are still good mates, to be honest. Good the last fishing. time he was over here on a shoot, we hung out. He kind of got it. I think he, he I think he, he rang me up, sent me a Facebook message demanding to know where he could catch fish. But <laughs> I said, well, Toby's not going to He's a fly there. fisherman, yeah. like myself. Yeah. He knows a thing or two about it. He, he, he owns a, he has a, he's part of a syndicate on some, on some expensive river where they catch yeah. half-pound trout and pat themselves on the back. He yeah. has no idea how good fly fishing is here, obviously. Yeah. yeah. He's a lovely guy, yeah. and, and he's still there, chairman, still there, hanging on in there. Yeah. Now it's VML, YNR, London. Yeah. They've moved out of the Black Cat building. Where are they now? They're in Drake Street in, in Soho, um, greatly reduced. They lost yeah. pretty much, it's possibly my fault, but they lost M&S, they lost... Couldn't possibly comment, but... Yeah. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience, and, and we did great work. So, yeah, it must have been great for you to go back, you know, not, not having had a, a great time as a, as a junior no, copywriter. No, I mean, a, a, absolutely. Yeah. And then coming back and going, wow, this is okay. And then yeah. doing great work and working with amazing people, which you get to do in London. And you'd remember that. You go, oh, who should we work with on this job? And da-da-da. And you go, wow, amazing. Yeah. And where should we shoot this? Um, you know. 
Yeah, but it was, and, and who should you get, you get to do your voiceover? Uh, well, Peter that's Cook, right. Harry Enfield. You know, it's, <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah. So, and I'd still love London, and now both my 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 girls are there. So mm. you know, like it's it's you know for with, good. Oh, uh, I think for a while, yeah. and they're both. They said two years, but maybe it's twenty. Same, same, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, they were both. They're both technically speaking Cockneys. They're born born within the sounds of Bow Bells, and they're both living within the sounds of Bow Bells. So yeah. they've kind of, you know, they are. They've returned to the. Um, they talk Cockney, do they? Tobes or they? Uh, no, they talk. They they've got. They've both got irritable vowel vowel syndrome. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. deeply. Yeah. Um, so nobody understands a word they say. They have to have subtitles in London. Yeah. Um, but no, they and they love it here. They they're both coming back for Christmas and stuff. And but yeah, and one of them's an advertiser. Yeah, where's she where's she working? She's just started. Uh, she's freelancing uh, at Joint, which is ironically Damon Collins, who uh, I replaced at Rainy Kelly, set up an agency called Joint. So yeah. she's doing a, a month there or something. So yeah. she's she's going well. And the other so, ones at Deloitte, she's like bonfire of the vanities, you know. It, it's funny how how so many uh, offspring of um, advertising people, well, maybe not, um, go into the business. No, I think it is funny because it's kind of, um, it was never like her thing at all. I, mm. I thought I'd fully put her off in a way, but I think she's a creative person and she kind of loves being funny. And well, it's I, good that there's one in the family. Well... <laughs> That's right. Thanks after her mother. Oh, I didn't mean to be giving you a hard so, time. Why am I talking about um, my children? Boring. So you, you came back to... I came back to TBWA for a year. Yeah. Which was a, a, an experiment. And, you know, Roger McDonnell had a, an idea that I should work with and my ex. What's the idea? Rog. <laughs> Man with two voices. Yeah. Uh, work with uh, my ex-client from Lotteries. Yeah. Uh, in hindsight... Maybe that wasn't such a great idea, but you never you live and learn. And then again, I got I got a uh, I got a call from Marty and went ah, oh, want to want to come over and sort the Sydney office out. But that that must have been. So you're in London, mm. and you and and um, <laughs> Joe's getting Joe's getting homesick and and. Mm. My loyal wife fucked off back to New Zealand before me. I just yeah. want to point that out. And I'm. But yeah, yeah. But mm. the, you're over that now. Nearly. <laughs> um, not better at all. And then, then to go, oh, I'm going back to. And he said, "Oh yeah, I'll go to Sydney." I think it's funny though when you when you spend a year in London working on some pretty amazing clients like you know Virgin and M&S mm. and Lloyd's Bank and yeah BBC is that you suddenly go, "Oh, scale's nice." Yeah. Um, yeah. And. Bear in mind that you know I was scratching around the edges when I was you know when I was there as a as a as a kid working how to working out how to do it. Yeah. To go back and then suddenly you've got a very big train set and you're yeah. kind of enjoying it. I think it kind of gave me a taste for big. And then you know the Sydney thing came up with Marty and I just went yeah absolutely and I think that was it. I probably kind of felt like I was in my mind. I was thinking Christ, I liked a bit of scale as yeah. opposed to here which which you know like i know i don't want to bag here it's been wonderful to me but yeah. it, it 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 felt actually a bit logical at the time simply because i think i missed the scale yeah yep no i i can understand that i, th I think it's something that you that you 
yeah, it, it didn't bother me in the slightest because, yeah, it had scale in London, but you couldn't do what you wanted to do. You were, sure, sure. That, that, and I'd rather do what I wanted to do on a smaller level than not do what I wanted to do on well, a big level. So. Yeah, and I guess the difference was that I was ECD, and, and you know, when I was in London, I came back as ECD. And right. I went, oh, so I you can could actually, do it. I can. You could do and I'm not. Yeah. You know, it's more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's more that kind of ability of control, uh, that that, yeah. that thing of control that you get, and I really enjoyed it. Really? And 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 so it was all cut short a, a little bit, and um, uh, you know, ended up doing this thing, working in Sydney, kind of commuting, which was fun. Um, well, I, I I probably told you, probably maybe had this conversation, but not. Let's share it with a listener. I commuted to, mm, to I know, I remember from, you did. to Melbourne for three months. Okay, you did for <laughs> umpteen years for three months, and mm. yeah, I, I would get up at four a.m. On, a, on a Monday, on a Monday. morning, mm. and I'd come back at about one a.m. on mm. Friday night, mm. and I'd spend most of the weekend to sleep, and then mm. go off and do it again. And I don't know how you managed to do it for that length. Well, of time. I didn't do it. I didn't do it solidly for two years but it kind of became it came it became that way and yeah. and you know for personal reasons it became kind of untenable yeah. um but that's that's not to say it wasn't a pretty incredible experience because it was an opportunity to go into an agency that was quite broken yeah. creatively um rebuild it um you know get great relationships with clients and then start doing the kind of work that I love doing. And, you know, and I think we were the most awarded Australian agents it can the year I left. And, you know, in a funny kind of way, my next move, which was, again, a bit of a bizarre move in hindsight, was was to go to assignment um, because I kind of felt, well, the awards thing is cool, but it kind of felt a little like advertising people giving advertising people awards about advertising. Like, you know, it, it, it felt like they were... You know, our world was kind of getting smaller and mm. in danger of kind of not being taken too seriously. And then suddenly I'm having Peter Biggs, who's a very um, compelling individual. I don't know if you've met Peter. but I, Big, don't, I Big, don't know Peter. Yeah, so Big Z was a Love very... Love to have him on here, Peter, if you're listening. My God. Yeah. By far the most interesting person you could ever have on your podcast. But so, so Big Z and I talked and said, you just got to come over here and do what you do. And I kind of think... Um, it sounded great, you know, and I kind of went, you know, Kim Thorpe and Peter Cullinane and James Hall and all these kind of advertising yeah. legends who'd kind of set it up. It just sounded like a fantastic idea. It was kind of a, like a, if you like, a precursor to the kind of consultancy. Mm. If you think about Accenture now and PwC yep. and Deloitte, et cetera, those guys were kind of nailing it, smashing it back in the day, but without the big, huge kind of, you know, behemoth consultancy. It was just four guys talking to CEOs about doing work and yeah. charging like wounded bulls. So I kind of went, yeah, I'm in, I'll do that. Five months was pretty much all I could, you know, that was it. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it was all fine in the end and we, you know, we, we, we bought it amicably. Sort of pretty much, but it was kind of a shame to see the demise of such a great idea. But again, I think the, Week before I joined, I think uh, the writing was sort of on the wall. When I think Singleton's owned Amazon, uh, Amazon. Why did I say Amazon? Uh, assignment. They owned Assignment, and then it 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 got bought out wholly by WPP, who yeah. who were you know as you know big fans of the whole campus thing. Wonderful place. Yeah. Lovely organisation. Can't yeah. say anything bad about WPP. No. Um, God no. F well, for libelous reasons, really. Um, well, I. Probably didn't stop Josh. 
and do it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, I left, and it was a good thing. And I, I got a call from Mr. Wilson, who is one of my favourite people in the world, who you know too, who I work with. Is uh, uh, Paul Wilson children? Paul Wilson, Paul Wilson yeah, one of the DDB. Wilson brothers. One of the many Wilson brothers. Yeah. Um, it's like the Baldwin brothers. Yeah. And, you know, they, but he, he um, you know, I worked with Paul at DDB. We did lovely work together. He was a fabulous suit. And, and he managed to, at DDB, you know, wrestle a pretty hard client being A and Z um, mm. at the time. And uh, we did some pretty good work. Uh, dare I say, considering the big blue fire hose that they are now. But anyway, you know, it, 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 we did great work and that was all Paul, amazing suit. And I always yep. come to this day, I thought, God, I've got to work with him again. And then I had the misfortune really, uh, uh, when I say misfortune, it was for her entirely of working with his now wife, who was my EA at DDB. Um, yeah, Van. Van, the lovely Van, who yep. I kind of thought, well, that put, puts pay to any, you know, chance of working with Paul again, really. Because mm. she knows you too well. Way too well. Yeah. God, she's got some shit on me. and uh, Probably and, me as well. Yeah, probably you as well. In yeah. fact, a lot of people. Yeah. Currently, I think she's got some shit on some guy at Westpac, but we won't go into that. But, yeah. You know. So anyway, yeah. so uh, Paul called me and, you know, next minute I get this amazing opportunity to go back to an agency that I always felt very, very happy at, which was Saatchi's, yeah. you know. And, and you know, it's funny, I, I, I yes, I did hear some of the, your earlier podcast and you mentioned Regan when you talked about the demise, the slow demise of Saatchi's and, you know, that's a fair comment in a way, Some in so much as it's a name that's been around for so long. Yeah. That it's only natural, therefore, that shinier, newer, independent-y people come along that you go, oh, bloody Saatchi's. But, you know, the thing about Saatchi's that I, I've always loved is, well, for one thing, my, my dear elderly mother's heard of it so she right she right now thinks that I've peaked in advertising because she's working for I'm working for an agency she's heard of that's yeah. that's a good thing but the other thing about Saatchi's is that legacy of 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 wonderful work and you know certainly when I arrived in New Zealand as you yeah we'd be looking at Saatchi Wellington back in the day and I think one of the reasons I went to assignment was Kim Thorpe and you know like just being in their orbit and talking to those guys about the work they did and Len Cheeseman and all those characters they 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 put New Zealand on the map oh absolutely well I mean, I think... we talked about Colenso and Colenso is a great story in in inconsistency but if you want to talk about pure magic something in the DNA of this place Saatchi Wellington is and always will be I think one of the most iconic advertising agencies New Zealand's ever had and they were top 10 in the world you know, long before all these spurious lists of one big ones yeah. and all those kind of bullshit things, it was more word of mouth. You know? Yes. Yeah, no, I'd, um, I I was going to be poetic. Go on. Which is unlike me and go, um, Sarchers lit the match and Colenso started the fire. Wow. Which, um, and Barnes Catner blew can, it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, yeah, very tempted to... to um, to end the conversation there. No, I mean, so ab absolutely. Sarches yeah. put New Zealand on the map 25 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But, Long time. But that, but that, but they, at the time, they were a beacon. They were, they yeah. were, um, uh, you know, like they were, they were Barcelona in the, the Spanish Football League and there wasn't a Real Madrid. But it no, was, no, it, no. but it was untouchable. Um, 
you know, it was later, that, uh, and I and I think you know, Colenso drove it that that lit the whole industry up and became, yeah, yeah. you know, became well. Consistency is 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 you know the magic. I mean, it's a very unsexy word, but it really is the thing. You know, like if any agency can win agency of the year and have a good year, it just takes one campaign. Why not? Uh, yeah. McWhopper. You know, like you, I, you'll have a good year, right? Uh, FCB, yeah. Driving Dogs. You know, like yeah. everyone can think yeah. of one agency who's done one campaign that lit up the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think doing it every year is is pretty tough, you know, and a huge kudos to them. God, yes. You know, yeah. um, and they, it's not one either. It's usually three, you yeah. know. And so... Some of them have run. Three. Three have run over the years. It's <laughs> all very legitimate, Paul. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, and the thing about Saatchi's for me though is, and, and Saatchi now is <laughs> quite a different agency from the Saatchi I worked at with Rocky and Mike. Um, and you know, we are, you know, I don't want to get all too PC on it, but no, 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 don't, don't get. Don't I get won't. Teary. But it's a very inclusive culture. It looks after people. Everyone's happy in so much as we love doing what we do. I think you know. Uh, there's a desire within Saatchi to actually change that model whereby agencies are seen as kind of, you know, silly, outmoded. Frivolous. And, and frivolous. And, and and there's a relationship that we have with some of our clients like Toyota, which is pretty hard to beat. And and again, you know, um, it's a bit like Mike at DDB, you know, when, when Mike Watson was at DDB uh, all those years, you know, that's 20 years of relationship that, you yeah. know, is... You know, for me, trust is the key ingredient in every agency. It doesn't matter how sexy an agency you are, what you have in terms of talent. If the clients don't trust you, the clients don't trust you. And uh, I think that's one of the things that I feel really good about with, you know, uh, with where we're at. And and whether that means that we win multitudinous awards, I think we're far more of the opinion that we're there for the service of our clients. If we win all awards along the way, then so be it, which is a healthier attitude. I think award chasing now, God knows I was guilty of it, is a pretty fucking vile thing to for agencies to do because I think, for one thing, don't kid yourself, your clients are embarrassed by it. Um, I think what you need to do with awards is you need to do the work and then you kind of think to yourself, well, everyone loves it, we should enter it. Um, you know, that's my point of view on awards. And, and, and I, I'm not saying that in any degree of loftiness, I've been as guilty as the next man of, of, of trying to win them and winning them and all the rest of it. I'm, I just kind of go, you know, as a creative person, you have to kind of try and influence culture. Yeah. You know, there's an Ikea spot that's just started running in the UK where every man and his dog is singing this little ditty. And I won't try and repeat it, but Thank you. listeners need to Google Ikea mother Christmas ad and you'll see mm. what I mean and it's just the most wonderful piece of engaging communication that gets shared by everyone alright well uh, thank you enough? thank you Toby I that, that's, I, I, there are there are an awful lot of subjects that that, um, that we could have gone into in depth and could have gone further but um, it's late uh, you and I have been prattling on for nearly two hours so it's probably have time really? and, and most of it well, it's either two hours or one hour two Two feels feels late, um, and I think most of it is probably um, can be cleared by the the lawyers, apart from uh, my my frequent toilet breaks. Um, well, I think so, it's good to embrace um, you know incontinency. 
<laughs> at an early age. It's good to get, good to get used to it. Uh, Toby Talbot, uh, thank you so much thank for you. coming. I'd like to say it's a pleasure. I'd like to... Probably Same. could. Probably Same. could. Can I just say it has been a pleasure drinking the Mount Edward Pinot Noir? Excellent. Um, thanks, thank you. mate. Cheers, buddy. Uh, by the way, listeners, we're shaking hands. <laughs> You've been listening to Truth and Soul, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. Okay, list of credits. Thank you very much um, to this week's guest. Uh, if you liked it, uh, drop us a line, uh, paul at truthandsoul.co.nz. Thank you very much to everyone at Franklin Road, uh, Jonathan Cole, uh, the Wastrel Shane, Vanessa and Gracie, uh, Otis who did the logo, and uh, Matt Stalker who's going to play us out. Thank you. By the flickering spires of candlelight While the wicked sleep sound The anxious toss and turn Thoughts come not as single spies But in battalions While the wicked sleep sound The anxious toss and Family tree is losing its leaves Please forgive my trembling hands Crudely silhouetted by the flickering spires of candlelight While the wicked sleep sound The anxious toss and turn Thoughts come not as single spies But in battalions while the wicked sleep sound Tossing, turn.